0: It's a podcast with Squidge Pengaro, the emo, the artist and filmmaker from Australia. Hello everyone, how's everyone doing? I think I might start off uh by talking about um well a couple podcasts ago I was talking about my future trip to Sydney and I was mentioning about the, the film festival I was going there and I was really excited, and I was up ready and roaring to go. Well, now I've been and gone to Sydney, and arrived back to my residence again, and I think I may give you a little insight on what happened. It's been a few weeks since I came back to, to my residence, and uh, so I think it may be a good time to tell you what happened. I went to a film festival in Sydney, for the Kino Sydney Cabaret Festival, um, a week-long festival, and where filmmakers from around the world and hobbyist filmmakers and people who've never, ever made a film before came together in Sydney, New South Wales, to try and make a film in 48 hours. I knew I wanted to make a solo film, so... I decided on the idea, an experiment, a little challenge, a, a sort of uh, a game for myself to try to start a film in in South Australia and finish it in Sydney. So I got one of my uh, cheap cameras uh, because I don't want to lug it around and I don't want get it getting damaged. I got one of my cheapest cameras and I started making uh, video blogs. Uh, Vlogs, vlogs, Uh, such a weird word, and I started documenting my insane quest to go from South Australia to Sydney within six hours, and it didn't matter how I got there, and uh, whatever transport I could get my hands on, I used. It's been, it was a pretty big deal for me, because I've never been in a plane before, not even to go to uh, another state. And here I am in 2010, um, going to Sydney, Australia. The the biggest city in Australia and one of the biggest cities in the world. I got to, to be honest, to be completely honest. I was really, really nervous. I don't think I was scared of, um, you know, getting my genitals fondled by security at the gates, nor was I scared of any terrorism or crashing. I think it was the heights that really scared me, because quite literally, you're in a box, uh, a pressurized box, 30,000 feet in the air. And you know, I had to keep on reminding myself, it's just like one of those coaches, those, um, I'm not sure if you, dear listener, has ever been in a coach before you probably have it's kind of like a bus but um a bit taller the seats are raised it's more compact there's like uh kind of like an not an upper level but a little alcove where you can put all your your luggage or your gear or your handbags or um Whatever you keep to put your makeup kit in, uh, those little, pe- those little pencil case things, um, and I had to keep reminding myself that being inside an airplane is exactly like being inside a coach bus. Yes, that's right, a coach bus. And, you know, uh, the night came, and I was scared. I was so nervous. I, I was so nervous, in fact, that. Uh, I tried to get some sleep. I absolutely tried. I was just in bed watching crappy reality TV programs. You know, stuff that you wouldn't give the time of day to. Stuff that you quite easily miss out on. Uh, But, you know, I was watching uh, those sorts of shows. You know, and I was just um, going on the social networks Um, on my mobile phone and I was so stressed I was so stressed that the stress started physically eating my stomach not literally but it damn well felt like it was and I know I know stress is one of those things that it's a psychosomatic sort of thing if you believe in so much it actually starts to hurt and stress does actually cause physical problems um there's fatigue, uh, there's weight loss, weight gain, um, all sorts of things that stress can can actually cause. And I've pulled up some research here, and it says that chronic stress can affect the body's immune system. That means uh, it can make you more susceptible to do, 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 do diseases. Gosh. Stress is a killer, isn't it? Gosh, I've just been reading here, it's just terrible. Anyway, I was so nervous and so stressed, it started actually causing me pain. And, you know, I had to take several showers just to calm me down. And, um, about uh, three or four o'clock in the morning rolled by, and I had to leave. And I got in a car... Uh, my father's car, and I got driven to the airport, and it was quite a comfortable ride. Um, uh, Nobody was acting like crazies on the roads, and you know I found the Adelaide airport, and there it, it was usually there was there wasn't much stuff to worry about really. Check out was fine. My luggage was a little bit heavy, but that's okay. Uh, It was lighter than 25 kilos, so I could carry on. I put one of those tags uh, on the luggage, uh, you know, to write your name on it and to say where you're going and so forth. And uh, yes, I opted to lighten my luggage uh, for carry-on, so I could carry it on to the plane with me. And I said goodbye to my family. And um, I went through the gates, and off I went. (laughs) I'm smiling as I laugh, and as as I think of this. It's just, it was, you know, absolutely scary, but really exciting at the same time. Um, I've been to the Adelaide airport once before, but not inside the gates, not past the actual, uh, where they scan for um, weapons and drugs, uh, the uh, the security area. And into the concourse. I've never been to the concourse before, and uh, I just accidentally clicked my table there. Sorry about that. And the concourse—it was pretty big. The Adelaide Airport, I believe, was voted the second best airport after Dubai International Airport in the world in about 2007. So yeah, that's a free, um, a free fact I can give you. Um, you're probably not going to use it unless uh, you're going to the pub quizzes tonight and it may come up on a question. But there you go. Second best airport in the world. And of course, Dubai, man. I mean, no wonder. I mean, they make... When they run out of space in Dubai, they make their own islands. Crazy. And they've got the biggest uh, skyscraper in the world, haven't they? The, um... It's not called the Burj Dubai anymore. It's called the Burj Khalifa in downtown Dubai, and it looks like um, some sales. Anyway, the concourse uh, it was pretty amazing to me. Um, it's fascinating to me. I had I got a little bit confused. There were like there were some numbers, there were some plaques, some um, signage saying. Gates one to 24 here, gates 35 to 44, 45 to 48, whatever. I got a little bit confused but but um, I just followed the the correct signage the, the arrows like like a lemming. i followed the arrows to the gate and you know it's to me it was kind of like a soul gateway. They were there were young couples. There were elderly couples, there was women and children, there were students, there were bands, They were there were a lot of people. It was quite humbling, it was quite nice, it brought a smile to my face. Yeah, I just loved the atmosphere of airports, just normal people going about their way, just doing the normal things, and it was lovely, it was really nice, yeah. Anyway, I did not get issued a ticket. Because I bought my tickets online, so they gave me a travel pass, and uh I should have mentioned this earlier, but in checkout, I exchanged that for a physical ticket, and they gave me uh the ticket and you know I went into the concourse now uh there was um there was several flight attendants or yeah there were might... yeah <laughs> there were several flight attendants and there were a few choices Um, people uh, who bought tickets from row 1 to 12 um, got to use the aerobridge and people who bought tickets from row 13 downwards would have to go down the runway and I got to use the aerobridge and if you don't know what an aerobridge is, basically it connects the terminal to the the passenger entrance of the plane, and it was a 737, if you want to know, uh, that means two engines and I, um, I, because I was in the third seat, I elected to go under bridge. and basically it's like a box, a box, um, a glass block, a glass blocks, wasn't there a game called Blocks? Or was that Blob? D-Blob? Oh, and then there were Shocks, which was a a wrestling game or something like that? Anyway, the bridge was a glass box with some carpet, and (laughs) I had to keep telling myself not to look outside because, you know, I'm several uh, feet in the air in a glass box, and I was walking, carrying my luggage, and it was... I had a smile on my face, and it was great. And I've never been on an, aer- an aero bridge before. And it opened up, and it was really... Um, uh, the entrance to the passenger door, shall we say. That's probably not what that it's called. But anyway, I'll call it the passenger door, because I, I don't, I'm stupid, and I don't know that different... Anyway, it was it wasn't cramped, that's not the word, but it was kind of... Um, it was a bit more roomier than cramp, but it's sort of like a comfortable space. I was very um, pleased with the design of it all. Um, it seemed uh, seemed quite um, comfortable, with the design. Cause I would be scared shitless if it was just huge and wide. I would have become agoraphobic right there and then. But it was okay. And the the lovely female attendant said, um, "Come in, uh, Mr. Pengaro, Mrs. Pengaro, and come in, and take your seat." And it was lovely. And uh, of course, I the overhead compartments where you put the luggage. I put mine there. I was carrying my camera, which I started filming in uh, in in Adelaide, and uh, but I didn't turn the camera on. I didn't turn the camera on, and anything like that. I turned my my mobile off and m- my MP3 player was in my pocket and you know it's uh it's Australian law that you have to when take off and landing you have to turn off all your electronic devices especially the ones that transmit stuff such as laptops um wifi networks mobile phones that sort of things I just said, uh, you know, turn it off, um, there's no need for it to be on anyway, and, uh, you know, I just couldn't really be bothered to faff about it, and I just said just, it would be much easier to turn it on back again when I land in Sydney, and land on Terra Firma. So I turned my mobile off, and my camera was off, put it in this little bag, and I, um, you know, sh- they instructed us to put all, like, carry-on bags, like, under the, under, underneath the chairs. So, I did that. I did as I was told. There was a slight delay, but that's okay. It was five in the morning at this point. I had, um, just clocked up three hours, um, in trying, in my quest. And there was a little, um, incident. No, it wasn't an incident. Because every time I use that word incident, it's like something bad happens. Like, the incident. Like, you go to your office workers. Oh, did you hear about Gary last night? Uh, It seems there was an incident with the wine cooler. It always sounds sus, that word incident. The incident. Uh, Yes, we refer to that thing as the incident. It always sounds like you've done something controversial. (laughs) The incident. But, you know, there was... I got a little bit confused. I mean, it was it was my first time flying, and those fucking band members from from fucking Queensland, I guess they seemed to be from Queensland. I'm not saying all Queenslanders were like them, but those sure as hell were fucking laughing at me, cause I went in the wrong s- seat, immediately. And you know, and then they, cause there was a woman with, um, was she in a leg cast? No, that was just across from me anyway there was a woman who had to go into because i said i didn't want a window seat i said fuck that i don't want to see it um going upwards i i don't want to witness take off i don't want to witness landing i don't want to witness it when it was banking i mean i said fuck that I, i'm i don't want an uh a window seat i would just take an off seat anyway i was in the middle seat as I as i paid for and this lady had to cross to get to her window seat and um... you know, I got confused I thought I wasn't wrong um, and I also I asked the the helpful flight attendant which one were, which seat I was and she said because I, I got confused, I thought I may have been in the totally wrong area the wrong seat uh, the wrong row and uh... so then uh, she just directed me there and those fucking assholes at the back God said just said oh now you have to go back uh, 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 uh. I'm a fucking dickhead whatever Oh fucking assholes I hate them I mean give me a break this is the first time I've ever been on a fucking plane and of course it's funny to them of course it's funny when someone um, makes a mistake because you're not the one making that mistake, and if you see someone falling over in uh in the street nine times out of ten, you're gonna laugh at them because that's human nature You also want to help them, but that's human nature as well, but you know if you see someone making a fool of themselves you're gonna make you gotta have a laugh i mean. But, fucking hell, dude, I mean, this is the first time I've ever been in a a plane, I don't know what's going on, I I didn't even know what check-in, check-out and check-in was, what the difference between those two were. Anyway, so, uh, I fastened my seatbelt quite tight, and, uh, before we took out, before we took off, they explained the safety parts of the plane, they, it came with a little safety... um, not booklet, it was a bit more b- bigger than a booklet, but a little safety thing that you could read. And, you know, I, there was a businessman next to me who was falling asleep at this point, because presumably businessmen fly planes every day. and You know, it's part of their job, and they have to be there as part of their business. But, you know, if someone's... if the flight attendant girls, or guys... Uh, doing a safety demonstration then I would expect everyone to to watch it. Which I did. I mean they did the whole famous dance that you see in the movie and um but I paid attention to it. The business person next to me didn't. You know, that's okay, that's his choice, but you know, better safe than sorry, as I always say. However, um Everybody in the plane was there for the same reason, to go to Sydney from wherever. Um, they may have arrived in Adelaide Airport, but they could have come from Wyala or somewhere earlier. And, you know, the the atmosphere in the um, the cabin of the 737 was quite humble. You know, it's just regular people just going about that stuff. And I love that sort of thing. I love the, the normalcy of it. Anyway, my first ever takeoff in a plane was a bitch. Those things, I presume go over eight hundred kilometers an hour, and uh I felt every bit of it you You could actually feel the plane moving i mean if you go to if you go right on a train, you can feel it moving in, in a taxi in a car, so you wouldn't it's not that surprising. It it started... What is the word? I don't know. I'm supposed to be a plane buff. I should know these things. Anyway, the plane... Uh, drove, I suppose... Drove down the runway... <laughs> drove down the runway... B- gradually climbing speed... And... Then it took off. And man, did I fucking feel it. And, and the air pressure... The air pressure was... Also quite a bitch. A hard-hitting bitch and it's sort of, your body goes downwards, and then it goes up, and, oh, I had to close my eyes. And I, I guess the people next to me perhaps saw me grimacing, and because, and I'm a <laughs> first-time flyer. You know, it, it's contrary to be, popular belief, flight attendants aren't waiters, waitresses. They're there primarily for safety. And if someone who's never been on a plane before a la me, is having trouble. It's their job to help them out, to calm them down. But, you know, I stuck out with it. I firmly grabbed the the hand rests. And, man, it did not feel good at all. But I survived. I lived through it. And then it climbs. And just when you think it's uh, levelling, just when you think the plane is levelling out, it uh, climbs again and then it banks and that was not really comfortable but you know I got used to it and oh yes the popping my ears popped several times it's kind of like um... (sighs) how am I supposed to describe it like um... maybe your earwax just solidifies and hardens and um, that's that's probably not true at all But it just went pop, pop. And, you know, everything started to sound different. And every time I uh, adjusted my ears, um, it started sounding different again. So the air popping, that was new to me as well. The air popping and the air pressure, those were pretty painful. But uh, there were, like, TVs on the headrests, and... They were constantly playing ads, and, you know, you're free to read a book, or listen to your AMP free player, or if you have a laptop, uh, you could use it there, and, you know, I just concentrated, just stared at the ground, well, not the ground, the, the, the fucking floor of the cabin, and, you know, I just forgot that I was in a box 30,000 feet in the air, which brings me to a memory... I've said this in a, a YouTube video, one of my vlogs. logs that's uh, youtube.com slash user slash squidge316 that uh, during Monoliths, my television show broadcasted on Australian television, during Monoliths I used to go outside, and I, I used to do this when I wanted to go to Canada once I would usually um, point and trace a line at the clouds at the sky not because I was mad or fucking crazy I just pretended that I was in a plane going to some exciting destination you know anything that will take me away from the nervousness or the anxiousness or the drudgery that I was feeling at the time and it was sort of like a security blanket a sort of escapism for me to imagine that I was in a plane flying to somewhere else in the world it, you know, the flight was two hours, it wasn't that long, it was exciting, you know, I've never been plane before, I was like, oh my god, I'm actually inside a, a motherfucking plane. Um, Snakes on the plane, no, there were no snakes on the plane, thankfully, there were no snakes on the plane, just to reiterate. Now, it was comfortable, it wasn't, I didn't feel nothing at all, it was just like being on the land, really, but a bit more more comfortable than being in a train. You didn't feel much until landing, and you know you hear the sounds of the engines and it's quite calm, you know people around you are having conversations about things, and you know it becomes a little bit boring and the landing was kind of fun; it's like it wasn't a roller coaster ride, but you did it certainly feel the um the landing gear um extending, and you know I minor jolt as you land onto the tarmac. And that was my first ever plane trip. It was great. When I landed in Sydney, once again, I elected to use the Bridge. And Sydney Airport is huge, man. It's really big. It's one of those... Well, it should be anyway, because it's one of those premier airports in the world. It serves hundreds of aircraft. Well, not hundreds, but close to that number. And they're going everywhere in the world. It, Sydney is the gateway. Uh, to Australia and to the rest of the world. You can't go to another country without first going to Sydney Airport. I landed in Sydney. I shot off a few quicker messages to my friends who were putting me up for the night. And, um... If you're listening to this, thank you, Sandra. I'd just like to say thank you. Thank you very much. Because if you didn't offer to put me up, then I probably would have rented a hostel or... Even worse, I could have been on the street. So thank you very much for that. It was very kind. And it was my off day, so I decided to do the touristy things. Sydney has a city rail transport system, but to to get from the airport to central station, you had to take, you had to buy, you had to buy a um a ticket just to get from the airport to to the train station, to Central Station, Which was a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know, money hungry, sort of. It's sort of it was a little bit of a letdown, really, because you know, there are these tickets where you can buy 41 bucks and you can ride all the ferries, the trains, the buses, the trams, whatever, public transport unlimited, um, for about five days, which I bought which was incredibly valued for money you know, I could have used that, but no, they wanted to pay you extra, but you know you complain about these things, but then you get over it, really in the same way that you complain about rising uh, prices for petrol you have a little bit of a complain, a little bit of a wind, a little bit of a bitch but then you you know, you put up with it so I took a train all the way to Central Station and the only map I had was there. The only map I had was one of those ones that you find on the back of pamphlets, and it was really simple flight drawings. You know, <laughs> the Sydney Opera House is here, the Sydney Harbour Bridge is over there. <laughs> I just reminded on one of those cartoons where you know it's <laughs> the impression of Australia is so so uh, so cheesy, and over the top, <laughs> red deserts and the opera house and the harbour bridge all in one place <laughs> anyway it was a good deal for 41 bucks i traveled all the way to circular key i was thinking to myself i can't believe i'm in circular key it was just a hive of activity there were like people everywhere there was public art there were all the public transport i must say that sydney's public transport was pretty good for any big city you need good public transport to present yourself as a, a modern city. And I was quite pleased with it. So, thank you, Sydney. You've done well. I had to carry my bag, which was fucking heavy, but I walked pa- past the harbourside restaurants, past the ferries to Manly, um, past the boats where people were going on, and, you know, it was... I, I can't say this enough. I was so excited. I was like... Oh my god, I can't believe I'm in a different city. I, this is Sydney. This is one of the greatest cities in the world. I can't believe I'm here. It's like, I, w- I'm, I was so wistful. If that is the right word, the correct word. But I couldn't believe it that I was finally here. Uh, it wasn't much of a holiday, really. It was more business trip, but that's okay. That's what I wanted. If I stayed longer, it would have been, uh, you know, it would have been a little harder to find accommodation and, you know, have something to do, and beside my luggage was fucking heavy, and I walked, um, a fair distance to the Sydney Opera House, and just like to the left of me, it was the Harbour Bridge, so huge, I couldn't believe how huge it was until i actually been there, man, it it spanned, well, entire harbour really, because that's what a bridge's job is to do, but it was extraordinarily beautiful. I, I, I took a lot of photos and some video, so and several tourists actually called me out about called me out about, and you know I, I climbed up the, the opera house. I went on Facebook, updated my status. It was lovely weather. It was lovely weather. It, it was sunny. It was a nice cool breeze. It was fantastic. It was picture perfect, and all my friends were were really jealous. All my friends back um, back in the other state was really really jealous. So, Sorry guys, but you know I got to do something for me as well. So, during uh, my four-day stay in Sydney I hang out mostly at Quay, uh, but also to Paddington near Oxford Street. Um, which is the street where they have the gay and lesbian minor Gras every year the parade I arrived at the cinema where everyone met up for the film festival and I officially stopped working my film right then uh, I stopped production uh, photography and because I made it within 6 hours I had done it I came, I came from Adelaide to Sydney in 6 hours yay yeah there wasn't much to do Everybody was editing. I was only contracted to... Do the weekend... Sessions of the... Of the film festival. So... I just, um... I helped with the signage. I helped with the promotional signage. Cutting... Uh... Cutting Space Invaders. Out of Coloured card, Which was... Pretty hard. Well, it wasn't that hard. But it was pretty... Labour intensive. Uh, you know because of those... Some of the cuts were a little bit finicky, but, you know, I got it. So I helped out with the promotion, in a way, which I'm pretty proud of. It always surprises me when I hear people talk about, you know, the drudgery of going to airports. Like it's, oh, you have to wait in a long line all the time, and, oh, what kind of movies would it be showing? Uh, there's so long waiting this is so boring and you know that it's understandable they've been on airplanes before that it's become usual for them but you know really if people actually stopped and actually marvelled at the amazingness yes that's a new word amazingness of a flight of travel of air travel. You know, it seems to me that people have lost that. They've um, they lost the, exo- the excitement of it. I mean, it's no ordinary thing to be flying in a plane. I mean... <laughs> well, perhaps I should preface this. The wing's function is to fly. That's the only thing that shape can do. The, you know, the famous... The shape of it, like a... Like a wing of a bird. It's designed to fly. Airplanes want to be in the air. But all I'm saying is that people should enjoy air travel more. It wasn't a usual thing for me, because I've never been on a plane before. I've said that so many times. But, you know, it's true. And it was exciting to me. So, my solo film, called Six Hours. uh, On the following Saturday, um, I finished... I had to edit it. It was quite stressful, because um, I had to um... rent out a camera, I had to fill some forms and... I'm going to talk about the camera in a second and I had to hurry up and shoot the footage and then I had to uh, in- capture it but these Magintoshes wouldn't capture it, I had to c- capture it on the laptop, then I had to port it over to the hard drive, I had to put it onto to the hard drive and then there was probably getting power so I had to get adapters and all f- sorts of things and I was stressing out and you know, all this work uh, for a two minute and a half film, but that's okay, that's what filmmaking is. It's it's fun, but it's really, really hard work. So that was pretty stressful. And all the people were lovely, there were no rudeness there, and it was just a really relaxing and chill time. And the birds of Tamarama were making these strange noises, which I've never ever heard of before. They were like, Boo! Boo! <laughs> Um, Some kind of strange noises, which kept me awake at night. Those were fucking scary. Fucking scary. But I got over it. It was a comfortable sleep. And on the Saturday, we had a big grand meeting. All the filmmakers from around the world came to the meeting. And we explained what, what what we could offer, our skills. Maybe we could offer our equipment. And we got into groups and we sort of discuss ideas. I wanted to help other people make their films because, you know, I love teaching people about films and filmmaking, so I love helping others make films. You know, filmmakers have to stick together. I met Sandra. A big thank you to Sandra and Julianne, Ian, Scott, Matt, Katie, Karina, and... Everybody I met there, who and you know, I'm sorry if I can't remember your names. I, I've, you know, I met a lovely people and it was a fantastic time, and we made films, and everybody's films was fantastic. The screening was at a lovely venue, very professional, and uh, my thanks to the festivalists by the way who run Kino Sydney, uh, the Cabaret. They did a fantastic job. It was. I was very impressed on how they ran the festival. Um, it sort of inspired me a little bit, and I got a, a short glimpse on how it works and how Sydney works. But it was fun. It was well put on, and it was a great show. And the screening, everybody's films was fantastic. I might sound biased, but you know, it's the truth. It was. They were so entertaining. Um, Most of them were comedies, but, you know, some of them were, like, music videos and uh, documentaries and dramas and surrealistic type stuff. And they were just so high quality. And they were done by people, by some people who've never ever touched a camera before, who've never ever made a film before, and they were really, really good. They they astounded me. Sony graciously offered to lend the film festival... Uh, Several of their new camcorders uh, The Sony NEX VG10 And I managed to use these For my film For a certain scene in my film (laughs) Perhaps the funniest of my film And the VG10s, I must say, were pretty fantastic They were really good I helped others filming at the Paddington Reservoir and we used the, the VG10s We were at the Paddington Reservoir and I got to play with it a little bit I got to uh, test it out and to use it to help record a film we were making and it was pretty good um, Full HD uh, good manual exposure control and it was light for its size, it looked similar to the the free chip video cameras that uh, I use at the television station, but a little bit smaller, um, in jet black and a little bit lighter. And all the function was there. It was simple to use. Uh, LCD screen, uh, eighteen to two hundred millimeter lens, and the images looked fantastic. They were really good. Um, I think... How much... the I'm trying to think of the megapixels. I think it was between 18 to 20. I'm not so sure. But it was full HD. And it was just... A work of art to look at. And and the video. And I'm not sure if it was... If... Um... The other filmmakers and I set it at a, at a different uh, setting... But the frame rate was a little bit choppy when we was making film called uh, Balls Gone Bad. <laughs> it's a pretty good film, you should see it. Um, if I have a link to it, I'll link it up. But it's a cross between a DSLR and a video camera, which means it's kind of like stills and video at the same time. It's in between there. It's, um, trans-boundary. So it's half and half. It did turn out that we did set it on the different setting, on the wrong setting. When I filmed my my scene, it was perfectly perfectly fine. It was the first time I've used the, the VG-10, and so I didn't have quite the firm grasp of it. I've used similar camcorders before, and I know how to operate them. I don't know how the problem was fixed. Uh, I don't know why my film was... had a better frame rate than the other film. Um, maybe it was stuck on the DSLR mode? I don't know, it was... I don't know. But the camera performed well, and it was good. Fourteen megapixel. Here they go. Yep. Fourteen megapixels. Seven frames per second. Oh, that must have been what happened. We must have, yeah, yeah, we must have changed the frames per second to a different amount, and that's why some of our footage was a little bit slow. So the film was called Balls Gone Bad, which was great. Um, I also helped on another film called Just Like Me for uh, uh, Scott Henderson and his team, and everybody worked really hard. I was the guy holding a sword standing next to a nun at a bus stop. Now that's filmmaking. If if you're a guy holding a sword, uh, standing next to a nun at a bus stop, you're a filmmaker. You don't have to worry about anything else. You've made it. Have you heard that Melbourne's Australian Centre for Contemporary Art and Hewlett-Packard I, is dismantling their exhibition? Basically they put on this exhibition where people could send their artwork directly to the printer inside the gallery and the printer would print them out and it would be displayed on the walls of the gallery. However, some artists rose up in arms at this saying that it would take away the copyright of the art that was produced. In other words, the artists would lose their... The ownership of the art they created, it will go directly to uh, the gallery. And this sort of angered... You know, I can't see the point. Because if I spend a lot of time on a painting, be it a traditional painting or a digital painting, I would want to retain ownership of that painting. Because when you're painting, you give a little bit of yourself your own soul, if you will, inside a painting, and it's transmitted. And that painting, or that artwork, will forever have a part of you inside of it. Which sounds dirty. Anyway, there's been a reaction exhibition, and some artists are holding a similar kind of thing, but they're encouraging to submit protest works. Against this sort of thing. So uh, the organist just wanted to distance itself from the whole debacle. The flight back was... Since this would have been my second ever flight... Uh, second ever trip on an airplane... I got pretty use of it. I knew what to expect now. And I did all the usual thing. I've tur- I turned off my phone. I buckled myself in. I paid attention to the safety diagrams... And no arseholes were in the back of me, sniggering away. Um, this time, I was near the wings. I saw a good shot of the wings. And, you know, I was still petrified of window seats, so I took, once again, an R seat. But, you know, sometimes I like to glance a little bit to the side and catch a little glimpse of the, the windows. All I really saw uh, from the window seat was Sydney Harbour coming in when I came in, and when I left Sydney, I saw like a patchwork of red and green, which was was kind of beautiful, very painterly, I might add <laughs> like civilization, and you know the fluffy white clouds like a uh, like fairy floss in a sea of blue. take-off was a little bit rough on me, and I don't know what the fuck that was. It was actually I don't know what the phenomenon is. But when I took off from Adelaide, it was horrible. But when I took off from Sydney, it was not. And when I landed in Adelaide, it was horrible. But when I landed in Sydney, it was not. And I touched down. The landing was a little bit rough, I might say. But, you know, it was okay. And uh, so I touched down in Adelaide. And this time, I I elected to go down this, the stairs and, um, go through the, 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 the tarmac, the, what the fuck's it called? The part of the airport where a, an aircraft is docked, and, uh not the aerobridge, but, you know, the tarmac, um, I, yeah, I used the tarmac, and I looked back, and, you know, the plane that brought me back to, uh, my residence—it seemed a little bit small to me, and you know, I was a little bit humbled by it. I did two things: I, I've got experience of the air bridges, and I've also got experience of uh, getting onto the plane and getting off the plane via the, the tarmac. I came back uh, to the CBD, and the first thing, first, I wanted some burgers. I really wanted some burgers for breakfast. For some reason, I wanted fucking burgers. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. So I went to a certain uh, burger place in the CBD, and I ordered some burgers, and um, and now I know why I don't usually go to that store that often. It tasted fucking shit. Um, it tasted terrible. It feels like... It felt like that when every time I took a bite, like, a film of oil would just drip... Sorry. It felt like that every time I took a bite, a film of oil just started to drip down from my hair and just covered me in film of oil. It was disgusting. Why the fuck did I order those? Uh, There are a million things I could have had. I could have had salmon and, um... tomato bruschetti with basil and oregano... Oregano... I could have had that, but I didn't. I had fucking shitty burgers. And that was it. That was my adventures in Sydney. Um, I've been posting pictures on it, on on Flickr, on Facebook. So I've got my new mini-series called The Sydney Adventures. It'll be on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Check it out. Short mini-adventures from Sydney. And, and you can also take a look at the films that were made at the Film Festival at the Kino Sydney Vimeo page. Please check that out. Those really are fantastic. And like I said, they're really, really funny and they're really, really entertaining. So please check it out. Yeah, that was my first ever plane trip ever and my first time in Sydney and I've completed a goal. I set myself a goal to be on a plane and although it wasn't some sort of a holiday or a Kentucky tour or something like that. I achieve the goal, so now I know what to do in airports and check-ins and what to do inside airplanes. I know all that stuff. I'm not an expert, of course, but you know, at least I do have some basis, um, a base to work on, a foundation a mental foundation to work on I don't know what kind of fucking metaphors I'm coming up here but at least I know what to do now I'm a little bit more experienced so I I told you that I'll go to Sydney and I did and uh, by the way um, if I didn't go to Sydney my friends would have killed me my friends in Sydney and my friends uh, in Adelaide would probably have um, killed me probably had a go at me so, dear listener, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do anything or, or or let your anxiety take over or you can't complete a goal. You can do it. you just got to have faith in yourself and smile. <laughs> so, I'm about to wrap it up. Um, I'm done speaking for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. <laughs> Good night.